My husband-to-be gave me a Singer sewing machine for Christmas of 1959 before we were married the following June. I took it with me back to school. We had one more semester of school and um, used it to make part of my trousseau. And it's gone with me for the whole 60 years since, uh, making clothes for my three girls, for myself. I made one wedding dress. I've made bridesmaids' dresses, curtains. It, it got me to thinking of all the miles, you know, that that machine has run. Welcome to Intersection. I am Bobby Ratu, storyteller. So supply chain was already doing all the searching and coordinating with other suppliers of how can we get more masks. But, you know, I think that in times of vulnerability and I think in times of scarcity, we as human beings want to do something, take action. And so people were at home saying, I want to do something to help. So that was what was made, made us think about it, is how do we direct and issue a challenge to the community? The mission of the Animate Health Foundation is to inspire generous contributions. And contributions are to meet the needs of whatever the health system is. And oftentimes people think of that as just financial gifts. Well, we need masks. And what those masks were able to do is, one, help our healthcare workers stay safe, but another part, there was a comfort factor that whenever I put a mask on and I've heard someone say, when I put this mask on, I know someone with their two hands, their machine, their thread, took the time to lovingly make something to help me in my time of need. And healthcare workers have always got to be on to meet other people's needs. So they're not used to being feel, feeling vulnerable, right? And so with that, by engaging the community, we gave them an outlet to do something that they could respond to fight against this COVID-19 to help the people that will be there to help them. All right, here I am. I'm pulling into my first stop. This is Betsy Matheny's house, and she is the ringleader of all the seamstress ladies making masks. There she is. How are you? What do you have for us today? I have a bag there with a box in bag, three bags in the box. One goes to Isla. She it's kits for her to stitch together. One goes to Clara. It's fabric for her to cut out and stitch together. And the other bag in there is for Anmed. Ten masks for Anmed. Explain my uh, to-do list that you provide for me. Okay, your to-do list has. Uh, things to be delivered for people to make masks from. You'll be picking up masks that are already finished. And it's really just a cycle that we have. And we appreciate your deliveries. <laughs> How many masks do you think you've made so far? I have made 111 so far. You've made 111 masks? I have. I try to do equal amounts for AnMed that I do for other people. So tell me, why did you start doing this? What made you decide, hey, I'm going to start doing something? My daughter let me know that there was a nursing home that needed masks. And I de never did actually send any to them, but it made me think, well, I could do that. And then I got an email from Brenna Walker that said that AnMed needed masks. And when I knew there was such a need, it made me want to get busy and make masks. The icing on the cake was when I saw a picture of the nurses wearing the mask that we had made. 
And when uh, the deacons decided to work on it, I was amazed at how many people wanted to be involved. Even people who couldn't sew would donate elastic for some of the ones we were making with elastic. There was a lady that donated fabric for us. There were people that wanted to donate money. So everybody wanted to be on board with this to help keep our health care workers safe. I'm Tim Self. I'm the executive director of the AnMed Health Foundation in Anderson, South Carolina. So, so many healthcare workers did not have the equipment they needed to do the work of taking care of the patients, and they were putting at greater risk. And we couldn't get more uh, stock of N95 masks. And so, what do we have? People can sew masks. And people, and this was one answer to the question, and how could we get those made? Because the hospital doesn't have a sewing machine or anything like that to be able to make them, but people in the community did. So we posed the question, well, why don't we put a challenge to the community to see if they would help us make masks? And we asked, how many do we need? Well, we got three to 4,000 employees, different people walking around, two shifts. We're gonna need 8,000 masks. And people were overwhelmed by that. So we said, but I think that if we ask the community, throw down that challenge, they would be willing to do it. So tell me, what is it like to make a mask? Actually making the mask with, that we did for AnMed is like making a little mini quilt. There are three layers that go in the mask, and then you have binding that goes on that has strips that tie. So really, I feel like I've made that many little quilts in this time. It's really kind of fun to see them come together so quickly. As a person that has drove around and picked up masks from ladies um, at Boulevard Baptist Church here in Anderson, um, I've found the greatest joy because it's been an opportunity for outreach for me. Many of the people, mainly the ladies, the seamstress ladies, as I call them, um, many of them are widowers. You know, they're home alone. They are looking for something to do, and many of them have the talent of sewing or are willing to take on the talent of sewing or the, the opportunity. And what I've found are their unique stories of... I have done this because of this. But let's flip that around real quick to the people that are receiving them. Can you share a story or something that has come across your, your desk or you've heard as healthcare workers have received these masks? Are there stories? Is there a story to share? Something that you can tell us that we have not heard? Mm-hmm. So um, I was in the hospital cafeteria a week ago. And normally you'll be in the cafeteria and you'll see hospital workers and their scrubs and, and their designated color, whether they work in environmental services or they work in radiology or wherever. And sometimes they'll have on their surgery caps or something because of where they work. But rarely do you see them wearing a mask, right? I mean, we all know that when you go out in public, I mean, when was the last time you went to Walmart and everybody's wearing a mask? Normally, that's an, an opportunity for you to get arrested, correct? Don't come in the bank with a right. hoodie don't and don't come on with a mask. That's right. But it's a new norm. Everyone had on a mask, but it wasn't a sterile mask. It wasn't that surgery mask with elastoban. It was, you know, it was a fabric of sailboats. It was a fabric with polka dots. You know, mine, I got a Nemo um, and Dory uh, mask, that, you know, the Disney Pixar film, Finding Nemo. And it all had its different categories. And I asked someone, I said, you know, that, that, that's a nice mask that you have. Uh, did you pick that out? And it was a sort of a silly one, you know. And they said, no, it was it was given to me. 
And I felt like it was kind of silly because of the way the, the fabric color or the, the style was. And they said, but when I put it on, I just had a great sense of comfort that there was something that was able to protect me because it has a, a slit in it where you can put in a, some, a filter or something like that as a, uh, you know, let's just say that all the supply of KN, uh, N95s or KN95s were to go away. Well, they have a way that they can put on a filter that gives them an extra layer of protection. But I think that the morale that you're able to see people have with this, the pride that they take in wearing that, and it has its own personality. And here's the other thing that's been really cool. When you can't see somebody's mouth moving because everybody's wearing a mask, people are staring each other in the eyeballs. And there's a connection that you're seeing amongst people, not healthcare workers, not patients, not visitors, not admin, but people are connecting. And there's this common connection that not only are we working hard together to fight this crazy Christ pandemic that we're in, but those on the outside are with us. They've got our back. You know, the credo of Animate Health has been for a long time. We're in this together. Now we're embodying that and demonstrating that in our own unique and ways that God gave us talents to demonstrate that. So let's go back to the very beginning of this campaign. Usually there's something that happens that says, let's try this. I know how it is in the communications world. You communicate something to the community and you sit back and like, is this going to work? We have no idea if the, if the community is going to respond. We have no idea. Mm -hmm. Take us back to the very beginning when you first made the plea. What was that like? Well, I think, you know, I said we were in a committee meeting and, every, and just that it was a committee meeting. And when some of our clinical staff and our environmental services that does laundry, when we decided on the number that we needed, you know, we needed 4,000 masks to distribute to for everyone to have one and then 8,000 for everybody to have two. So that way, whenever they're on shift, one's home being washed or sterilized and, you know, switching in and out. It's like the air got sucked out of the room because, you know, these are clinical people. They're not used to how we get 8,000 masks. And, so how was the decision made? I mean, it, then and there, I went back to the foundation staff and I said, our hospital needs 8,000 masks. We're connected to the community. Let's ask them to step up. And the answer was, well, what if they don't? I said, I think they will. Let's, let's move forward as if we're going to be successful, wildly successful. Matter of fact, let's build the thermometer not to start at 8,000 as the goal, 10,000 to be the goal. In two weeks, we met that goal. About halfway through it, uh, one of the committee members said, you know, I was trying to remember whenever we decided that we were going to do this. And I said, well, I'm not sure we really decided. The foundation team said, here we go. And we just went with it. And I think whenever we're in a moment like that, we can analyze and create a campaign and we can overcomplicate it. When you've got a group of people that are willing to do something and they're at the ready, Asking them to step up is not an you know we're not impositioning them, rather we're giving them the opportunity to help in a way that they otherwise would not be able to, and the meaningfulness, the giver's game, that happens with the widow woman that's not sewn for years or the the uh, there's a multi generation we got a note from a family that's got a granddaughter that's six years old, a mom that's in her thirties, and a grandma that's in her seventies that are doing this together. You know, there's some camaraderie and connection that's happening for people in a way that has not happened in a long time. 
and it's uniting us in a way that, in a common goal, that we're connected as people. Why do you do it? I mean, obviously there's a need. And then, obviously, we are all locked down. Is it more than just something to do to pass the time? Explain from the heart what this means. It's definitely more than just something to do. I try to pray for the person that will receive that mask as I'm making it. I don't know who it will be, but uh, the scripture I read in the devotional today, Jesus had just ascended into heaven, and he said to his disciples at that time, don't just stand there staring. He meant for them to go get busy and do something. So this is a chance to be busy. All right, we are off. We are heading to Isla's house. We are now leaving Betsy Matheny's house. I love her story about how she has been making these for the last month and a half and how the idea of the scripture that talks about going out and doing. Hey there. Hey, how are you, Bobby? Good. So what do you have? I have 26 more masks. Oh my gosh. Tell me about making masks. It's been a great thing to do when I didn't have much else to do. <laughs> I ran out of everything to read and um, it, and I love to sew. So it's, it's really been a real plus for me during this time because it's given me something to do that I thoroughly enjoy doing. When I first visited with you at your house, picking up some masks, the first thing you said was, it was an opportunity to get my sewing machine back out well, I actually didn't have to get it out because it's always been sitting up. My husband-to-be gave me a Singer sewing machine for Christmas of 1959 before we were married the following June. I took it with me back to school. We had one more semester of school and um, used it to make part of my trousseau. And it's gone with me for the whole 60 years since. Uh, making clothes for my three girls, for myself. I made one wedding dress. I've made bridesmaids dresses, curtains, you name it. <laughs> um, and it just, it, it got me to thinking of all the miles, you know, that that machine has run. And um, it, I just love sitting at it, listening to it humming. And one of the things I've thought about is, you know, I didn't thank him enough for giving me such a good piece of machinery. <laughs> because <laughs> it is really good. <laughs> Tell me what you have thought about when you've been sewing these masks. As you sat down and started with the task, tell me what kind of goes through your mind. Well, one of the first things I thought about, well, of course, immediately I remembered how much I enjoyed it. And, and I haven't, you know, I'm 82 years old, and so I haven't had much sewing to do lately. And I got to thinking about back to my eighth grade home ec teacher. That was the first year I ever took home ec. I was 13 years old. And my mom had sewed, but I hadn't really, she never had tried to show me much and I hadn't been all that much interested in it. But that teacher was so enthusiastic, so good. And um, I made a dress and entered it in a state contest and won <laughs> to my amazement. <laughs> and I've just loved it ever since. Um, it's, it's just, I just love sitting at the machine and stitching. 
many people would probably ask, okay, so you go to the community and say, we need masks. A seamstress is going to say, well, I need a plan to know how to make these things. Was that some of the first questions or what prompted y'all to create the PDF to start sharing? How did that come to be? (laughs) Well, I think... We issued the challenge before we had the PDF, <laughs> which 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 was sort of, you know, I think the which was unique because I think before one would think in a traditional campaign you'd want to have all your resources in order, but I think by the time we got all those resources in order, we we would be where we are right now three weeks after the fact, right? And we needed the mask right then, and so finding the getting the people in line and ready to go was perceived to be the biggest challenge. And I think that's where the foundation came into play, is that we're in the people engagement. You know, our job is to inspire generous contributions. So we said, we got the people, we just need a, we, we, we need a pattern. And so the, that committee, the clinical committee, selected a pattern based off of CDC recommendations and some other peer and model institutions that are doing the same thing. And then we posted it and shared it with people. And people went at it, you know, in a, a remarkable way. And, and me not knowing how to sew, it was, it was, it's amazing at how consistent these products are because people know how they're doing. Uh, you said something about the, the little widow lady that makes it. You know, I think another neat story that I've heard, though, in the most are the, the former mill workers mm. that had a, a craft that they did. And then whenever the mills closed in the last 20, 30, 40 years, some of them said, I haven't done this in years. But I was a little rusty at first, but it was amazing at how much muscle memory I had and precision because I did it for so long that it was able then to, you know, evoke to them a different time whenever that Milltown community was so connected and helping each other. So what do we tell to people outside of the Anderson community about this initiative? When you look back at it from the beginning up till now and then where you want to go, what is the biggest thing that has struck you? Uh, do something. Just do something. I mean, that there's. if we see that there is a need, what can I do to make a difference? That might mean I know somebody that connects, that has the connection to that resource. You know, we had a call for uh, a company in Greenville was going to donate 50-gallon drum of, of hand sanitizer. But apparently you have to have a hazmat uh commercial driver's license endorsement to drive uh, a 50-pound drum from Greenville to here. So someone, I mentioned it to someone that had connections and they knew someone and they were, and they sent, dispatched one of their drivers to pick up that barrel and bring it to Anderson for us. Um, that person isn't a sower. That, you know, that, that person, but it had a resource that could meet a need of the community. And so I think that whenever we look at what did we learn and what could we challenge other people to consider from this is to take action. And that whenever that closes, there's still another need. How awesome is it to know that in a time period when we have had to be secluded in our homes and stay at home and stay away from people and really be cautious of interacting with each other, how a community of people have come together so tight with things as simple as sewing a mask. You've lived a wonderful lifetime and you've seen amazing things happen over your life. What do you think about this time of something where we're supposed to be distant, but we're finding so much connectivity together 
by something so simple as sewing a mask. Well, I think it's amazing. And I, the things that I've seen people, the ideas that people have had that are having to entertain kids at home and teach these kids that, that are out of school and all that, it's just, it's just amazed me that the, the creativity and the generosity of people and of sharing their ideas with other people and um, coming up with all kinds of new things to do, have the kids go on neighborhood bear hunts and draw stained glass windows in the driveways and all those kinds of things are just, just amazing. And in a lot of ways, we are more together, I think, as a people than we have been in a long time. And, and making masks was just one of the ways. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Intersection is powered by Touchpoint Media Network, podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health.